Let's bow our heads just for a minute. Father, thank you so much that uh, you have had examples in the Bible and even examples today that stand for what is right and will keep their word regardless. Tonight as we open the Bible, please, once more open our eyes and our ears and may we feel your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. As we take a look at this tonight, we turn over to the book of Revelation, chapter 14. And tonight begins our final lessons. By the way, when's our next class? Okay, good. Um, By the way, at 9.30, I don't know if any of you are interested in coming, but that's up to you. At 9.30, there's a Bible study. And uh, uh, Dr. Dean over here teaches the class. I've been in his class, and he's a phenomenal teacher. Now, don't tell him I said that, okay? But he really is a phenomenal teacher. And and if you want to come at 9.30, you'll really appreciate it. So I just let you know. And don't forget, after class, there's going to be what? Lunch. Okay, so, you know, we've also, we've almost got to a point a few times we don't use that word potluck, especially in the wrong crowd. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Revelation chapter 14. As we look at this, we read the first angel. Tonight we're going to be studying the first angel's message. Then on Monday night, the third angel's message. Then on Tuesday night, who's the enforcer of the mark? Then on Thursday, the second angel's message. As long, and in addition, there is a fourth angel that comes. And so the second and the fourth will be together on Thursday night. And then Friday night, how do we tell a real prophet from a false prophet? And then next Saturday, what time? 10.30 will be our last class, okay? And if you think you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, I've saved the best for last, okay? So just challenge you a little bit. As we look here in Revelation 14 in verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. First of all, how widespread does this gospel have to be? The whole world, every nation, every kindred, every language, you know. Uh, People talk about they go to India. Do you know there's over 170 different dialects in India alone? So if you happen to have a mission uh, established in one of them, have you really completed what the Bible said? No, it's impossible. Because every one of those dialects will hear this message. We've got God's promise about that. And it tells us that it's not going to be silent. Everybody will know. You can't hide from it. Nobody can plead ignorance. Okay? It will be brought forth. 
even if it's from the scorn that is given it. But everybody will know it. What's the message? Fear God. Do we really fear Him? No. Give glory to Him. How? Except Jesus. Why? The hour of His judgment has come. And then to make sure, because it only comes down to one of two things, who will you worship? It says to worship the what? The Creator. That's what we're supposed to worship. So as we look at that, the question comes up, who is the Creator? Who is the one that the angel is calling us to worship? I want you to go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we find here in John 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his, what? What did the angel say? Fear God and give glory. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. You know, it's hard for me to imagine Jesus as a baby. There's probably nothing more helpless in the whole world but a baby. But he came into this world giving up all of his power to become vulnerable like each of us. So we find here that Jesus was telling us that it's saying that Jesus is the creator. Isn't that right? I want to give you another one. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. In verse 15, Colossians 1 and verse 15. The Bible tells us this. Who is the image? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is this image? You know, that's page 1729 if you're using the seminar Bible. I see some of you looking for it. That's okay. I'll wait for you. Okay, page 1729. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in the heavens, that are in the earth, that are visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So is there any question that Jesus is the creator? Now, I don't know if you remember this particular Time magazine. I do. It was November 4th, 1996. There was a big argument in relationship to the, uh, you know, evolution versus creation. And here, Pope John Paul II said, evolution may be a better explanation weighing in on the debate that has divided Christians for decades. The Pope declared that evolution is more than just a theory. Hmm. You know, I'm sorry. If I'm a Christian, I go by what? 
the Bible. <laughs> and the most scientific fact in the entire world is, in the beginning, God created. Most scientific statement that has ever been made. And people for years have been trying to prove it different. And as a result, it just amazed me that this... Now, as much as I respected Pope John Paul II, I'm sorry, I had to disagree with him. Why? Because my Bible did. Remember that it tells us that this Antichrist wants to think to change times and laws. We discovered why he wanted to do away with God's law the other day, because... God's law is a description of God's own character, isn't it? And if he could do away with the law, he could do away with God. In addition, he also wants to change time. How has he changed time? Well, one way he's changed time is God said the evening and the morning were what? And the evening and the morning were the? But this power came along and said, no, that's not true. It's midnight to midnight. And all the world follows it and doesn't even question it. But is it really midnight to midnight? <laughs> it amazes me. New Year's, right? And you watch television and here's all these idiots in New York City waiting for this stupid ball to fall so they can celebrate New Year's, right? I celebrated it when the sun went down. What are you idiots doing? You know? <laughs> and isn't it amazing? They usually start every year out exactly the same, drunk. But anyhow, I, I'm, I'm meddling now. <laughs> if we go over to Genesis, we want to find something. In Genesis, we find the creation week. This is what the Bible tells us about. And if we look at chapter 1 and verse 31... God made a statement about everything he did. God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You remember up there we read last night, let us make man in our image. Who was talking? God the Father and the Word who became flesh. And by the Word was all things created. Now, those are plurals, okay? Us, our, plurals. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all that he had worked, from all of his work which he had made. How many of you think God was tired? No. Did God know we would get tired? Isn't it amazing? God gave us an example to rest one day at least out of heaven. Isn't that right? And in chapter 3, I mean verse 3, he says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all of his work which he had created and made. If God blesses something, how long does it stay blessed? Forever. Can anybody transfer God's blessing? Even a spiritual being? He said he sanctified it. What's another word for that? Made it holy. Set apart. Made it holy. Okay. Now, if God makes something holy, how long is it holy? Forever. Okay. Can anybody transfer the holiness? 
can't be done, can it? And so as we see this, he sets out and explains to us that six days he did all of this work, and the seventh day he rested and blessed it. Why does the week have seven days? Hmm? Why does it have seven days? Because God made the earth in how many? And he did what on the seventh? Isn't that an amazing fact? Remember I told you the other night that it says there in Genesis chapter 1 on the fourth day he made the sun, the moon, and the stars for the seasons, right? We tell a day by the rotation of the earth. We tell a month by, uh, by the moon and we tell a year by the sun, right? How do we tell a seven-day week cycle? Here it is. There is absolutely nothing in the history of the entire world written by anybody that establishes a seven-day week cycle except right here. And everybody that even says this is nothing but a fairy tale goes by a seven-day week cycle. (laughs) Nobody can outsmart God. Okay? It's impossible to do that. So God worked six days and rested the seventh day. Six days he made it. And so being the creator, who is the angel calling us to worship? Jesus. Amen? I want you to look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And there's an amazing statement here when we read this in verse 8. What's the first word? Now, why in the world did he say remember? Well, let me explain. I, I mentioned this the other night, you know. There, there were no Jews for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet I've heard people say, well, this is uh, the old Jewish stuff. Isn't it amazing that way back in creation, when there were no Jews, God worked how many days? And rested what? And which day was it? How could it have been made just for the Jew? Huh? Hello? But what happened? They went down into Egypt. They were there for over 400 years. Many places in the Bible, it draws a parallel between what happened in Egypt and what's happening in the world. They forgot many of the things that they were taught. And here God, when he spoke and wrote, this one, what did he start out with the word? Why? They'd forgot. It was that simple. He even added, listen, I work six days, you work six days. I rest the seventh day, you don't do any work on the seventh day. That's what it says right here if you look at it. And then he says, you know, just to remind them why, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Hmm. Wow. You know, this idea that it was made for the Jews. I want you to go over to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And we find here in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Mark 2, verse 27. What do we discover? By the way, 7 is complete. 7 is complete. 
And, and you'll notice that we have a number that is incomplete. What does it represent? Satan, man, and the beast power. But what's complete? Seven. Seven represents the creator. Six represents everything else. Isn't it amazing the Bible says his number is 666? He's not complete. Isn't the Sabbath just made for the Jews? Well, let's read it. Verse 27, Mark 2. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for the Jew and not the Jew for the Sabbath. Isn't that a funny way to spell Jew? Huh? That's really a funny way to spell it. You know, if you look that word up, man, in the Greek, you know what it says? Mankind. Now, what's important? God didn't make man so they could worship on the Sabbath. He made man and made the Sabbath for man. Many people get that redirected the wrong way, folks. But you need to keep that in mind. You know, I want to stop. Keep your finger right here because I want to come back. But I want you to go over to Revelation chapter 1 just for a minute. Revelation chapter 1. Now, I'm going to read this text. And after I've read the text, using this text and this text only, okay, I want you to prove me wrong, okay? Everybody ready? Revelation 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I'm going to tell you tonight the Lord's day is Wednesday. Prove me wrong. No, I said use this verse. You don't like, obviously you don't like Wednesday. Okay, it was Friday. You don't like Friday? If we're only using this text and this text only, can we really prove what day is the Lord's day? No. It's impossible, isn't it? Yet I know people that quote this verse to prove what it is they're doing. But folks, one thing we've learned beginning from night one, the Bible must what? Interpret itself. So here it says... I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Okay, what's the Lord's Day? Go back to Mark chapter 2. It says, Therefore the Son of Man is what? Lord also of the Sabbath. In the Ten Commandments that was spoken, wrote by God, He says, This is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So what day is the Lord's Day? The seventh day. Amen? Bible explains itself. If we take one Bible text out of context, you can almost prove anything. But folks, we need the whole Bible to understand what it's telling us. Does that make sense? And so as a result, we want to read it. The Sabbath was made for mankind. I want to show you something else. I want you to go back to Exodus. In Exodus, we discover something here. Moses, of course, is having a real chat with God. And Moses is making excuses about going, you know, kind of like noses. Everybody's got one and they all smell. But anyway, he's making excuses. 
And finally he says, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to even know. Well, I don't even know what your name is to tell them. Remember that? And I want you to notice this. Verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. Exodus 3, verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Wow. Quite a statement, isn't it? Jesus made a comment. We find it over in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John's talking to the religious leaders. And uh, so he makes this statement to them in relationship to it. And we find it in John 8, 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Did the Jews understand what he just said? Yes, he did. Look at the very next verse. They took up stones to stone him. Why? He just declared himself God. They knew what he meant. And for a human being to claim to be God, it was blasphemy. And they were going to pick up stones and stone him to death. Over and over and over. Exodus chapter 20. I want to remind you something we read the other night. In verse 1 it tells us, God spake all these words saying, Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. Genesis, Exodus Chapter 20, verse 2. Somebody tell me what the first two words are. I am am the Lord thy God. Now let me ask you a question. (laughs) Who was talking to the people this day? The Word. All things were created by Him. The Word who became flesh was talking. And what did he say? I am the Lord thy God. And then he even wrote it down just to make sure they got it right. Not once, but two times. So when we look at this in relationship, who was the creator? Jesus. Amen? All things were created by him. Who was the lawgiver? Jesus. Who is the first of the last messages to the world calling us to worship? Jesus. Who does Jesus point us to? His Father. So the Bible is calling us to worship Jesus and His Father. Why? They're the Creator. Am I making this plain tonight? I want you to see this so you can understand it. Look at Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. We're still there in Exodus, so we turn over. And we read in verse 15. Exodus 31, verse 15. Six days may work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. What is it? Holy to the Lord. 
Whosoever doth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. 16. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations, for it is what? A perpetual covenant. What's the word perpetual? Forever. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now somebody would say, well, yeah, right there, it's a sign for the Jews forever. First of all, it was the Israelites, amen? And who did we learn as an Israelite? We are, if we've accepted Jesus. If we've accepted Jesus, if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs what? According to the promise. So how long is it a sign? Forever. And it's a sign between me and you that you're worshiping the right God. Why? I'm the one that made it holy. Are we with each other on the same page? We're going. Let me ask you a a question. Are you saved because you keep the Sabbath? Oh, good. I'm glad you said no. We're not saved by the Sabbath. Listen, folks, you can keep the Sabbath every day for as long as you live and still be lost. Do you understand that? You're not saved by a day. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you keep a day, you keep it because you love him. Does that make sense? And it's a sign of loyalty to the Creator. Does that make sense? It's not not something that people get off on these arguments about, you know, which day is the right day. Satan don't care. As long as we're arguing, he don't care. You understand that? And we can keep a day to be able to prove we are one. That won't save you. If you're not keeping it because you love Jesus Christ, It isn't doing you any good. Hello? (laughs) I got people, uh, I I haven't met any in this church, but I've met some. They think that because they show up by 11 o'clock, they listen to the pastor for 30 minutes, they put their tithe and their offering in the plate, and go home, they have accomplished what was necessary for eternal life. I'm going to tell them that it really is sad. They think they're saved because they came to church for an hour and gave their money. <laughs> Paul told one guy, the hell with you and your money. God don't need your money. <laughs> Remember the guy who wanted to buy the Holy Spirit? You were going there and read it. He said, to hell with you and your money. You know, God don't need your money. Keep it. And if you're not... Worshiping on the Sabbath because you love Jesus, you're just fooling yourself. You're the only one being tricked. That that make it plain? I mean, you know, like I say, I've met some people, they get off on a tangent. What did the Galatians chapter 3, 7 tell us? Therefore know that only those who are of the faith are the sons of Abraham. If you are Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So as we look at these verses, folks, what does it tell us? If we've accepted Jesus, we are Israelites. We have been grafted in and we are there. 
I want you to read this text in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It's on page 1772 if you have your seminar Bibles. 1772. Chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember we said, I change not. There's not even a shadow of turning with me. Okay? What I do stands forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, we can depend on him. Isn't that right? We can depend on him. Let's look at this. Before sin, there was what? The seventh-day Sabbath. Adam and Eve didn't have to sin, and yet there was the Sabbath before sin ever entered the world. Does that make sense? That was yesterday. And who was the Lord of the Sabbath before sin entered the world? The Word, who became known to the rest of us as Jesus. Who met with Adam and Eve every seventh day and walked with Jesus did. He met with his creation. He kept his appointment. Well, what about during sin? That would be today, wouldn't it? As we look at this, we look at during sin. Whoop, I want to back that up. Did Jesus keep the Sabbath? <laughs> yes, of course he did. You know, I'll give you one text, okay? It's really simple. People have asked me over and over and over, and probably it hit me the hardest when I was down in a place called Greensboro, uh, Kentucky. And uh, there was a man came up, and I found out that he was uh, the pastor later, I didn't know it at the time, of one of them big mega churches. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he had something like 10,000 people coming. And after everybody left, he said, why do you go to church on Saturday? Now, we hadn't even talked about this yet, right? And I looked at him, I said, well, I go to church probably seven days a week. He said, now, come on, answer the question. Why do you go to church on Saturday? And I looked at him and I said, well, because I love Jesus. And he says, I love Jesus too, he said, that's just a cop-out. And I said, wow, we've actually got something in common. We both love Jesus, you know, right? He said, come on, come on now. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, all right. I said, do you believe Jesus says, I am the way, follow me? He said, well, of course. I said, do you believe that the Bible tells us Jesus is our example in everything? He said, well, of course. I said, well, then let me give you a Bible text. <laughs> Luke 4, 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. <laughs> Wonderful verse. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. And let me tell you something, just so we all are on the same page. I got news for you. There are 380. 86 Bible text that I could give you to prove the Sabbath day. Okay? But there's only one text for Jack. 
is the reason I keep it. And it's right here. Luke 4, verse 16. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his what? Was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the reading. What do you suppose he read? The scriptures. So Jesus had a custom. What's another word for custom? Habit. Habit. So not all habits are bad. Amen. Jesus had a habit of going to church. Hello. How often? Every week. Not once a year on, you know, Easter or twice a year on Christmas. Hello. Every week he had a habit of going to church. On what day? The seventh day. And he had a habit of reading the Bible. That's the only text I need, folks. I don't need the other 385 of them. Okay? Jesus says, listen, Jack, I'm the way, follow me. That makes sense tonight? You know? <laughs> it just amazes me. I, I make this comment the other night. I have some people that, that want to argue about this, and they want to argue, you know, for the first day of the week versus the seventh day of the week. I don't even like to get into them arguments, okay? I'm going to tell you something. Just from the Bible, now you listen to this and just let it sink in. What day could not be the Sabbath day? It would be impossible. The first day of the week. If he'd have made everything in one day, he'd have rested the second day. Amen? So it's impossible for the first day to be the Sabbath. Could we settle that right quick? Okay. There is some scriptures that they try to be able to take that bend what Paul said. Uh, and if you read them in context, it doesn't say what they're saying about trying to, to defend this idea of the first day of the week. I look at him and say, why don't you call yourself a Pulkin? You're not a Christian. Amen. Okay. If Paul said what you said, and he doesn't say that, I can prove it. But if he says what you wanted to say, then you are, you're following Paul. You're not following Jesus. So you ought to be calling yourself a Pulkin, not a Christian. Because a Christian follows Christ. Amen? Now, are we saved by a day? Hello? No. Is there Christians in every church? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you something. I believe this with all my heart. I think when Jesus comes, on that beautiful day and the dead in Christ are raised up first, I think there's going to be more people caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds that went to church on Sunday then Saturday. Hello? They kept Sunday because they loved the Lord. And some of them keep Sunday a whole lot more sacred than some Saturday keepers. I'll just tell you that. We're not saved or lost by a day, folks. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But why do they talk about it? Because Jesus says, I am that I am. I am the creator. I really deserve your worship. 
But I don't want you to worship me because you're going to get eternal life. I want you to worship me because you love me. Am I making this point? You know, it's really important. Peter tells us, you know, Jesus is our example. It's found over in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Jesus is our example in everything, folks. It's not just some things, it's everything. And so we find in Peter, and we read that it tells us he is our example. How many of you believe it? First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now you understand why all I need is Luke 4.16. Jesus had a habit of going to church on Saturday and keeping his Bible. By the way, how many of you know where the word Saturday even came from? Oh, you don't want to miss Monday night, okay? You're going to find out, okay? Where'd this word Saturday come from or Monday or Tuesday? We're going to find out Monday night. Don't miss it. You'll find it very exciting. How about his disciples? If we go to his disciples and look, I want you to notice something that we find that in his example, Paul, let's go to Acts, Acts chapter 18, I think it is. I have to stop and think now for a minute. I'll get there, I'll tell you in a minute. Sometimes it goes. Um, no, I want Acts 17 first, okay? Acts 17 first. Verse 2. Acts 17, 2. And Paul, as his manner was, what's another word for manner? Custom, habit. Okay, so Paul's got a habit too, right? He went into them, and three Sabbath days he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now, some people have said, well, that was only when he was dealing with the Jews. Go to Acts 18, verse 4. Acts 18, verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue, church, every Sabbath persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. The Gentiles, okay? Paul had a habit just like Jesus had a habit. Wouldn't you think so and why? Because he's following Jesus. Amen? He met him on the road to Damascus and he never took his eyes off of him after that. Well, what about when there is no sin? Go over to Isaiah chapter 66. We find out before sin, Jesus created the Sabbath, met with Adam and Eve before there was anything. Then while Jesus came... You know, one of the reasons Jesus came was because they just couldn't seem to get it right. Jesus said they've got Moses and all the prophets, but could they get it right? No. So Jesus came, he said, listen, <laughs> just follow me, okay? Come on, I'll show you. 
And he kept his father's commandments. And then his people followed Jesus and had some of the same habits. So during sin, there was still the Sabbath. How about when there is no more sin? It's gone. Okay? Isaiah 66. 66. Verse 22. Isaiah 66 and verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So when there is no more sin, guess what? Still the Sabbath. It's an amazing thing. We will keep it even when sin is no more. Why? In honor of the Creator. And we love Him. It's that simple. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Paul kept the Sabbath. And we're going to keep the Sabbath when we go back to heaven. I'm going to close with this one tonight. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, by the way, Hebrews is believed by almost all theologians. It was the last book Paul ever wrote. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's assume for a minute that, you know, there could be a misunderstanding back in some of the other books. But we're now down to the last book Paul wrote before he died. In chapter 4... What does Paul say? Verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said... As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. What's he talking about? Creation week. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day. On this wise God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day. He did what? Limited a certain day, saying to David, Today after so long a time, as is said, Today if you will hear my voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? We're following Jesus, right? If Jesus changed the day, wouldn't he have told us? Okay. And by the way, do you have a Bible that says Joshua? Okay. Joshua in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. It's one and the same name. It's like saying Juan and John. Does that make sense? Same thing. Same name. And so, verse 9. Therefore, or there, it remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. 
For he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own work, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. Wow. Anybody misunderstand what Paul says? I don't know how they could. If you have a marginal thing, it says there remaineth therefore a rest in the margin. It says the keeping of a Sabbath to the people of God. Do you know that the Americans and the English-speaking worlds, uh, you know, are the ones that have the confusion? How many of you know that most of the world speaks Latin or some form of it? Okay. You know, if you go to, to a Latin country, do you know what they'll tell you? <coughs> they'll tell you Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sabato. They don't call it Saturday, they call it Sabato. Why? It's the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So even the world tells us that what is and isn't. There remaineth this rest. That Greek word means the keeping of a Sabbath. Why should we keep it? Because we love Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. I want to tell you this little story in closing tonight. It's a true story. It's a record that has never been broken, set here in the United States, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's never, ever been broken what's the record the highest amount of money that was ever paid for a human being was set in Atlanta Georgia on a hot summer day there's a reason many people who live in Georgia call it hot Atlanta not Atlanta are you with me I mean it's hot well they had had a big auction they did every year. And they brought the slaves all chained together. And as they were standing in line, there was one man that stood head and shoulders above the rest. And every once in a while, over the, even the people talking, he would say, I won't work. And they tried to shut him up. Well, the auction began, and one by one, they unchained him and brought him up on the you know, platform, and they began to sell them all off. Pretty soon it became this man's turn. They brought him up on the platform, and instead of staying where he was put, he walked out to the edge of the platform, and he seemed to catch everybody's eye as he said, I won't work. And the, beginning, the, the bidding began just like everybody else. But then the price went higher than anybody that day. And it went higher. And it went higher. And it went higher. There were down to seven bidding, and it still went higher. Then there was down to five, and it still went higher. Four, and it still went higher and higher down to three, and it went higher and higher. Finally, there were only two bidding against each other. But finally, it went higher and higher, and the hammer came down, sold. 
And that day, a record was set in the United States of America that has never been broken anywhere in the entire world. The highest amount of money was paid for a human being as a slave. Well, they finished the auction, and when it was over, each man went and paid for the, what he had bought, and they gave him the key. And so this man came to this big man, and the big man looked at him and said, You've wasted your money. I won't work. And the man reached up and took the things off of his hands, and he knelt down and was taking the irons off of his legs, And as he stood up, he says, you don't understand at all. He said, I didn't buy you to work you. He said, I bought you to set you free. And the record says, that man knelt down and he said, Master, I'll serve you forever. Jesus came not only as our creator, but he paid the highest price to get us back that has ever been paid. But folks, he didn't buy us to work us. He bought us to set us free. Stand and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to become one of us. Thank you that you paid this price beyond our imagination. We love you back for it, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we might love you more. And may in these last days, as the fight becomes more and more intense, listen to your message to worship the Creator because it's a sign between you and your people. Amen.